Hi, Tracy. Hey, Jim. It's always so good to talk to you. Thank you so Same. much for... Here we are on a snowy day. I know. It's good. We've been needing the snow, so I'm yeah. glad for it, actually. So tell me what you've been doing in the last week that kind of led to this Well, I was encounter. lucky. Well, I was lucky enough to go to the ESEA conference, uh, Spring 2021 conference, and that's where I came across uh, our next guests, uh, Lynn Allen and Megan Jur. They are both principals. I forget where their principal's at, so we'll have to have them uh, tell us. But they had a really great presentation talking about promising practices and universal implementation for your school. But what I... What I liked about it that maybe isn't really represented in the um, in the title is they were talking about things that you can do in your building that don't have to necessarily require a lot of money or big sweeping change. And that's a little bit about what we're talking about yeah, when we're saying... Sounds like little things, little right? Little things first, <laughs> exactly. So it's going to be a three-way call. Okay. Let me make a call here and uh, get Lynn on and then we'll call Megan. Hello. Hi, is this Lynn? It is Lynn. Hi, Lynn. This is Tracy Van Deventer, and I'm with my friend Jim Martin here, and uh, I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, Lynn. Great. I'm Jim. Hi, Jim. It's great to talk with both of you. Same. Okay. Thanks so for joining us. I'm going to try and uh, patch in Megan here. All right. She's ready to go. All right. Let me dial and see if I got this right. I'm always worried about my ability to successfully do technology on the fly like this. Right. You got this. Okay. You might be disconnected for a minute. Well, not disconnected, but you're quiet for a minute, I think, while we give All right. her a call. I'll stay with you. Okay. This is Megan. Hi, Megan. This is Tracy Vandy Venter. I'm with Little Things First Podcast, and I'm with my partner, Jim. Hi. Hi. How Hi, Tracy. You, I'm well. How are you guys? Good. We're going to merge our calls because we've got Lynn on hold, so hold on. Oh, perfect. All right. We should be merged. Are we all there? I'm here. Hey, partner. <laughs> hey, Megan. It's great to hear you. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. Long time no talk. I know. <laughs> we are so happy to have you guys with us. Uh, let us tell you a little bit about our podcast, and then uh, we'll kind of walk down and talk a little bit about your presentation that you shared at the ESEA National Conference. Um, our podcast is Little Things First, and really what our attempt is, is talk about really things we can all do as building leaders to make an impact in our building uh, without having to have sweeping, you know, reform. You don't have to fire everybody and hire everybody again. You don't have to spend thousands millions of dollars, right? So that's one thing that led me to your presentation is looking at what are some of the things that you can implement now? Absolutely. Yeah, low cost. And, and, and you know, when we looked at your podcast as well, we're like, yeah, that sounds just like us. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. I'm glad, we, I'm glad Tracy found you. Yeah. Um, so t tell us where your principals. Um, so I am the principal of William Allen School in Rochester. Um, and, you know, uh, Megan and I started out together a couple of years ago when she was my assistant principal at William Allen. And um, and yeah, take it from there, Megan. Sure. Yeah, so now I am a principal at another school in this school in the district at McClellan Elementary School. 
So I'm fortunate enough to be at just one of the partner schools for the Rochester School District. Nice, nice. So um, talk to us a little bit about your work in your schools. Um, without me repeating everything that you told me in the conference, I'd love for you to be able to share what are some of the things that you've learned over time are the little things that make a difference in your schools? Well, I think, you know, once we're going to start when, when, uh, you know, Megan first came on board with me and, and some of this work had already begun, but she was, uh, she had been a teacher for many years and, um, you know, we both just hit the ground running knowing that really relationships were the basis for um, success in schools and building relationships really don't cost any money. So um, <laughs> yeah. you would agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, at the forefront of everything we did was, you know, that relationship piece. So we knew that while money was always a barrier, that as long as we could reallocate our resources and invest our time in relationship building, we could do some pretty amazing things um, in our school. Right. And, you know, the, the quote, no significant learning occurs without a significant relationship um, is, is just so true and really at the forefront of you know, what we keep in mind uh, as we move forward, you know, really on a daily basis. So we hear this a lot, and I always probe a little bit further about relationships, because to me, it was very nebulous. And so I'm just wondering, you know, what are some very specific things that you have done to uh, foster relationships? Mm. So remember, we're in a pandemic now. So some of the things we're going to tell you about um, are, you know, don't, don't lend themselves as well in a pandemic mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Tracy, you're familiar with our um, presentation where we'll dive into some things that you didn't even hear about um, or we might've touched upon, but didn't go into um, as deeply. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that we were able to, to build into our school day, are um, check-in kinds of times with kids yeah. uh, and, why don't you go into like a little bit more detail about what those kinds of time periods looked like? It didn't take away from academics. Yeah. Do you want to go through that, Lynn? Bring out. Yeah, I'm thinking of like the breakfast clubs and talking yeah. well, about. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, obviously, like kids, sometimes they're coming in and there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Because one thing we heard through ASSA, I loved. Um, there's always a story behind the story. So like, while we think we know the story, there's something else that's happened that we don't know about. So kids would come in and they would just need a little extra support. So we would have them go to something called breakfast club. And it was an opportunity where they could sit with an adult and just talk and have a conversation. Um, this way, the adult was able to kind of gauge what they needed and prescribe things on the fly to make sure they're set up for success. So before they even land in a classroom with a teacher and they have any demands for learning, you know, their their basic needs are being met as a human being um, through conversation. And, you know, that opportunity, they were able to develop a relationship, strong relationships with the adults in those buildings so they could be a safe and trusting person throughout the day should they have any needs. And, and was that and every day then you had that breakfast club? It was. Yeah. And, you know, there were some kids that didn't go every day. You know, some days yeah. they were like, you know, I'm going outside and I'm, I'm going to play in the playground because it's yeah. what they needed. That. Yeah. Um, but there were certain days that were like, you know what, buddy, you just look like you might need someone to talk to. Why don't we get your breakfast and we're, we're going to put you in a breakfast club this morning. Nice. 
Nice. And yeah. So is was the, so kids were just invited to attend. Could anybody attend, or was it very specific? The the students that were asked to come. It was it was kind of both, you know. So there's a lot of data involved, um, you know, in our school. So you know, we look at some different Swiss data. There were some IEP goals that were kind of around you know, some different interactions and regulation. So there were definitely kids that were identified, mm -hmm. but then there were those kiddos that just, you know, needed it. And it, that was the great piece of Breakfast Club is it was flexible based nice. on your need in the moment. And it cost us nothing. It was yeah. a group who were the Who were the adults that you chose or that participated? Maybe they self-selected. Oh. I did a little bit about that. So the, the great thing about the, the the adults that we use, some were just strictly volunteer. Hey, I'd love to do this. Some we were able to invite par as part of sort of a duty roster. So, you know, in every school, yeah. um, are expected to, to do certain duties. Yeah. And, you know, with unions, you typically have to have them equitable. So um, we were able to um, use some of these check-ins as a duty. And we all know certain staff, um, you know, do better outside with kids, certain yeah. staff leaders at the door. And so we were able to sometimes um, match up uh, staff that just would particularly be good at a breakfast club. And, and then we had some staff that just plain old came forward and said, Hey, I just really like to do this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And others yeah. that said, I love being outside uh, in the parking lot. Sure, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not the one I would choose, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> especially in the winter. <laughs> and that kind of brings like outside in the parking lot. Like we, while we identified kids for breakfast club in advance, like that key component of like being visible for both Lynn and I in the yeah. morning, was integral to relationship building sure. too because we were out and about and you know whether one of us was on the playground out front with the parents down in the cafeteria where our big breakfast was happening um we were able to kind of gauge where kids were and just have those really nice impromptu conversations mm -hmm. every day be a face that people could see and know that they could go to if they needed anything yeah uh, i think that also helped with the relationship piece it's just being visible. Right. That also Megan leads us into um, the, the the greeting posts that we had, you know, that we developed. Um, we we put, again, this is pre-pandemic, but we can do something, you know, we can think about doing something in the pandemic as well. We had a little post that was kind of movable that had different signs on them. One indicated, you know, getting a high five. One was an indication of a kid uh, getting a hug one was a fist bump. One was something that we loved. It's called a happy salmon where you put your hand and you, you kind of flapped, flapped arms together like a fish. And um, kids would come up to that. And, you, we, you know, one of us would stand there, you know, uh, sometimes in the lobby, different places. And as kids came through the door, they'd come up there and they would just point or ask what kind of greeting they would like to have. And so um, that was a really fun way, again, to start building relationships and getting to know, you know, which kids like to have which greeting. Um, and then what was beautiful about that is, you know, if Megan or I got tied up, um, we would notice that the nurse would start, you know, pulling out the the greeting post and standing there, and or one of the paraeducators would start doing that. It wouldn't have to be one of us, nice. and that was another like zero cost. That my, one, you know, one afternoon I'd made my husband build it, and you know, <laughs> then I 
the photos. You know, you got to have a significant other in your family to, to get those things done. <laughs> and uh, like no cost, you know, just just no extra resources in your building, but made a huge, huge difference. Um, and you can think of things we can now do, you know, in the pandemic that, you know, uh, an elbow bump, um, you know, making a heart sign towards another uh, human mm-hmm. a long way. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And we all know how important that SEL component is right now with with Absolutely. kids being isolated and not having as much connection as we've had in the past. And I think that uh, although it's you're suggesting and saying, you know, this isn't hard for us to do, uh, really an important part of that starting the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember, Megan, and this has this was not in our presentation, and you and I have not talked about this for a oh long time. Oh, boy, here we go. Here she goes. <laughs> All right. We're going rogue here now. But, uh, Megan, do you remember the day, I think it was, was it after a, just a long break, Megan came into school, it was when you and I were together, and um, one of the... Um, one of the comments that we got out of the book Relentless was that uh, that principal used to tell his students they were loved. And so we we adopted that into our morning announcements at the end. We would always say, and if no one has told you today, you are loved. Mm-hmm. And we continue to do that. But um, one day, Megan said, let's all go out and let's have signs and let's just stand outside. And it was probably uh, 10 degrees below zero. And she made a bunch of signs and lo and behold, we all took those signs inside and outside um, the school and stood out in the freezing temperatures, below freezing temperatures, as kids arrived, you know, during the 20 minutes and stood there with those signs and the big heart. And we were waved to and hugged at and, um, and uh, families were taking pictures and posting them on social media and, uh, that cost us nothing. Yeah, a couple pages yeah. of you know on the photocopy machine, and that went a long way. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, well, that was not just to kids. You know, it goes so much more than that. It's, yeah. it's their families, and like while we were telling the kids each day, "You are loved," and absolutely meant that from the bottom of our hearts. Mm-hmm. We also wanted them to know, like, we love and appreciate and value their families. Yeah. So to have a feel a mom drive up who you know, has had a rough morning and you can just see it, you know, she struggles every day, but she, you know what, she gets her kid out of school, right. um, have her pull up and, you know, have a sign that says you are loved and then tell her by name, Hey, you know, you are loved and just like show her that appreciation and that she's valued. But I think what we got, um, in return was, was something that you can't really measure, but it really has, um, launched the relationship piece with parents mm-hmm. um, forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that yep. example. And it's a great visual in my mind, uh, just of how a simple act of holding up that sign had this ripple effect across your community, right? Mm-hmm. Powerful. Yep. Yep. You know, Megan, that also then makes me roll into um, the, uh, the positive phone calls home. Mm-hmm. Uh, sending that into our, into, you know, how that impacts families as well. Um, do you want to, you want to kind of touch on that? Sure. So, you know, when we think about like behavior and recognition, we are always thinking about those calls that we make home about, you know, the unexpected behavior, the things that we don't want to be talking about. Right. And we don't 
necessarily front load the positive and the great things that happen. So we were really looking to develop a culture where parents were hearing from us more often about the really wonderful things their kids were doing. So um, we developed uh, great positive office for referrals where staff members could nominate a student for an act big or small and deliver it to Lynn and, or myself. And then we would make that phone call home to families. And, you know, at first it was kind of like, hi, may I speak to so-and-so? And it's like, oh God, the principal's calling. <laughs> they do, you know, or you'd hear some explicitives in the back and you're like, no, no, it's okay. Like, so, you know, we learned very quickly, hi, this is Mrs. Jerk calling from William Mount with a great call home. Um, so, and then we would just, we would share that with the family and you could just hear how, how much it meant to them over yeah. the phone. And then we would walk into the classroom and make a really big deal about it and give it to the kiddo and let them know, hey, I just talked to your parent or guardians, whomever we talked to, and they are so proud of you. Keep up the good work. Nice. Um, and, and that was really, really powerful. Did each teacher have a certain amount of those that they were asked to submit? Or, I mean, how did you keep that from becoming overwhelming, you know, with 10 kids coming down with positive? Well, I mean, maybe that wouldn't be overwhelming. That would be kind of cool. Sometimes but. it felt overwhelming uh, and we got a little behind. Uh, we didn't, we didn't mandate that for teachers, but you know, mo our teachers were really good and, you know, they want to acknowledge positive behavior. So, you know, they, they did buy in, but we didn't make that a requirement. Um, but, uh, you know, once in a while we got a little behind and then we would just catch up, but it does certainly didn't make it easier when you had to call a parent about something that, um, their child needed some help with, or we needed some help with their child mm -hmm. with, uh, made that, that call a little bit, a little easier, a little less stinging, um, for them. Um, I was just thinking too, Megan, about our positive um, postcard home um, in initiative that we have done in the past too. Uh, that, that, the cost of that was simply a postcard um, that we were able to, you know, rally some money, some printing money up for it was not much. And then um, we sent the postage through the district and and no one said a word, so we didn't, you know, we didn't get busted. But what we did was we decided that in a two-week time frame, um, we wanted every student in our school to get a positive postcard home because, you know, nobody, not many people get mail anymore, but wouldn't that be fun to get a postcard in the mail, you know, with something great about your child? Um, so they actually, they were addressed to the child. Um, and what we did was we literally took rosters and divvied names out among all of our staff, our paraeducators, you know, um, uh, classroom teachers, our unified arts, and just basically said, hey, can, can you take just a, just a hunk of kids here yeah. and, um, you know, write something positive? And, within a, and, and we made it a goal that they all had to, had to hit, the, um, hit the mail within a two-week uh, time uh, frame and wow, what a great response that was too! And that was really a low cost item and mm -hmm. and just a high high impact. And the teachers really enjoyed doing that, and and so did our paraeducators. They really um, were um, honored to be brought into that fold and, and asked to participate, as well as the, our unified arts teachers. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and that 
think about when we did, um, you know, when in March, when kind of the world was turned upside down for everyone. Mm, yes. Our, our amazing paraeducators um, took the time to map out three different uh, mailings that each child at our school received. So once a month, every child received something, whether it was a picture, um, a, a handwritten letter saying, I miss you, can't wait to see you. Um, it might have been a, just a sticker saying, William Allen, yeah, you are loved. So that was another cool thing, too, sending those pieces home while we were remote when we couldn't make those connections. You know, I'd forgotten about that, um, Megan, because that was a great way to utilize our paraeducators during the pandemic. I mean, they were still online with our kids, mm -hmm. but they weren't working as they did, you know, when we were in school. Um, and we simply provided them, you know, with some, well, we didn't provide them with all the materials. We said, if you need materials, reach out. We'll, we'll put them in a little bag outside the school for you. But, um, you know, we just kind of pr provided them with the parameters and they really came through. And, and I, you know, I'd forgotten all about that, that we were able to, pro to provide that. And that was only, that was one part of, you know, keeping our relationships going during the pandemic last, you know, what March through June. So, yeah. There's a question I have. You've been talking a lot about these amazing ways you've been reaching out to kids. Did you have anything that was a layer for your teachers as well, you know, to try and support them that continue to build that positive culture, but maybe even like adult to adult or supporting teachers kind of during tough times? Yeah. So at one point, our universal team had done shout outs. So you could, as a staff member, recognize something pretty amazing that another staff member had done. And you could um, go ahead and post that in the staff room or somewhere for everyone to see. So it's that way to recognize that and, you know, develop our relationships um, amongst one another, as well as something um, we had used, which is Lynn and I actually talked about this recently. It's pretty admin heavy sometimes, but we had used something called a woot woot wagon, which we stole from somewhere. I think probably Facebook or Twitter or something, you know, one of yeah. those platforms. Um, and what a staff member would do is would come in and write something great that they observed and they would leave it on a sticky note on a, our filing cabinet. And when we had the chance, we would take that sticky note down drive our little woot woot wagon down to the classroom um, and then recognize that teacher in front of their students. And, you know, we'd read the sticky note and then we would make everyone give a woot woot. Nice. Um, <laughs> in recognition for the staff member who had been recognized. Yeah. And and I'm thinking about a school that had a special spark parking spot that was like a starfish parking spot where, you know, a starfish, if you pick it up, throw it back in the ocean, it didn't, you couldn't save all oh. the starfish, but it mattered to that one. I don't know if you know that story, uh, oh, but yeah. people would nominate and they draw out, you know, all from all these ways that teachers were recognized that this teacher made a difference, right? And um, got a front frontline parking spot that was a starfish spot. Yeah, idea. that's great. That's a great yep. idea. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the other things that you've um, done, not necessarily about relationships, or maybe they are specific to relationships, but just little things that you feel have made a difference in your schools? So I, 
chance to talk about recess cleaning. I'm going to talk about our recess cleaning tool because I just think that that's, um, has was a, a real great find or discovery uh, for Megan and, and me. Um, we had, you know, every, I think every elementary school at one time or another struggles with, you know, recess behavior. Yeah. And so using some data, you know, we looked at, you know, a particular group of kids that just were having a hard time. So I, I think it was a, it was originally Megan's idea, you know, let's just have like a recess class or recess planning with these kids. So we brought them in and we started out, I believe we started with, you know, having them draw maps, um, of, you know, it, having them draw maps of the playground. And our playground is in quadrants. So that makes it kind of easy, you know, where our swings are, where our structure is, and then sort of two um, fields. And the, the students indicated where they were having the most difficulty, you know, the, and so we started there. Uh, they actually used stickers. They used um red, yellow, green, and blue, which go, go with the zones of regulation, which is sort of a whole nother conversation, but mm -hmm. it's kind of where they had the most difficulty. And from there, um, we, we came up with a planning tool where students wrote down, um, it, you know, either drew or, or wrote like who they would be play, playing with on a particular day, where they would be playing, what they'd be thinking about while they were playing, like any particular rules that they might need to be, or expectations, excuse me, that they might need to be thinking about while they were playing. And then at the end, what would it look like or sound like if they had had a successful recess? So they would fill out those four pieces each time. They wouldn't do the map every time. They would do the map at the beginning. They would, um, on a on a daily basis when they would plan with us, they'd fill out those four spots and they'd review it with us before they headed out to recess. In addition to that, at some point, they would also look at their Swiss data that Megan had referred to earlier, their behavioral data, which actually showed kind of what time of day they were getting themselves in trouble, whether it was physical aggression, whether it was, um, uh, you know, uh, speaking inappropriately, you know, what really the, the issue was. And we would kind of look at that and help them pinpoint what their, their issues were. And, and that would sort of help them plan as well. And so every day they'd come in and do their planning and then they'd go off to recess. And what we found was um, this tool really helped um, decrease hmm. uh, our behaviors for recess. And certain kids really did well. Uh, we found out that some kids really liked the structure of the recess planning so that at um, some of them, even when we considered them finished and graduated, yeah. they wanted to do weekly check-ins anyway. We even had kids that sort of opted in on their own. <laughs> they found out about the, the recess planning and they decided, I, I could use some recess planning myself. Could we join in? <laughs> uh, so that was a really successful piece. Um, and we we just think that that's, that's a great tool. Um, yeah. Lynn, yeah. I think one of the key pieces of like the, the concept behind a recess class and the planning is that we were giving kids an opportunity to learn, right? Like what was expected right. because that's what like the misbehavior or, you know, the, whatever the unexpected behavior was often came from really not truly understanding mm -hmm. what was 
of them and having the opportunity to role play and practice and, and do that restorative work too, you know, so if, if they were in a disagreement with a peer, like we would take the time during that recess planning class to have that restorative conversation so that they can repair any damage that was done. So you think some of that also goes back to the, the opportunity for learning rather just saying like, this is a consequence, like you're being right. a bonehead, cut it out, like can't do it anymore. Right. It took the time to invest in that, in the kiddos and give them the tools they needed to be successful. Yeah. Right. I, I and, love and it's not, yeah. Not your usual consequence. Stay in for recess. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I love that it's proactive versus reactive. So much of what we do in schools is after the fact and you're, your approach was very much let's make sure that you're well prepared for recess and you know mm-hmm. have the tools and the forethought to be able to make it a successful recess and yeah that learning piece is so critical i just i think it's so amazing how innovative you are and you've come up with all of these various ideas that like you said don't cost very much they're little things but they make a huge difference yeah hey we I think have- it's it's yeah, it's helpful to have a team, you know. Um, one thing that's really unique and special about the William Allen team is just a great group of educators with so much expertise in so many areas. So we were able to, you know, brainstorm and talk through things. And Lynn and I were are, are still a, an amazing team who we collaborate on a regular basis um, through these things. So we were fortunate enough to have those key players on our team that could add to these and be really critical when we needed them to be critical of some of the systems and processes that we were trying to implement um, in order to make it really great. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows just in the, in the way that you are referring to the work that you've done, you know, what a team effort it took to, to be able to, to roll out some of these ideas. And then it didn't become intensive for just a person, right? It could really become a team effort. So uh, mm-hmm. It's great. We, we always end our podcast with one question that we'd love both of you to answer. And that is, if you could travel back in a time machine and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, do you want me to go first, Lynn? I do. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so um, my advice would be, um, make sure that you have a balance, Megan. Um, while being an amazing educator is really important, um, taking your care of yourself and having an identity outside of the classroom is really important as well. Good mm. advice. We've heard Powerful. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think mine would be to just make sure identify what's really important in your life and stick with that plan. Hmm. Nice. Nice. Well, we so appreciate your time and your energy, taking time out of your busy life to be with us and share some of your insights into the little things that you've been doing uh, that obviously is having a great positive impact across your learning community, your students, your teachers, and your parents. Uh, And so we want to thank you so much for your time and, and for being with us today. Yeah, I feel ready to go for for Tuesday. So <laughs> recess planning, you you know where to go, and 
I'm working on bus planning one right now. So nice. Oh, wow. Nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. Good plan. Those are great suggestions that, that uh, can, I think, benefit a lot of leaders. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank well, you. thank you both for the opportunity. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 B